Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community, and we focus on Magic Arena. And this week, my guest is... Michaela Downs, also known as Kyrie on Magic Arena. Great. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. Is there anything you'd like to promote first before we get started, a Twitch or Twitter or anything like that? Yeah, um, so I'm on Twitch and Twitter. I stream Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights. And on there, I am um, Kyrie MTG. And then on Twitch, I am Mythic Michaela. Okay, great. I'll put uh, any oh. links you'd like in the notes and get everyone to go watch you. Now, you, you, gave, a, you gave a day and time and stuff, but uh, what's the time zone so that people know when to t- tune in? Yeah, um, so 8 p.m. Eastern on those days. All right. Thank you for that. So uh, this podcast focuses all about uh, Magic the Gathering. And so when was the first time you, you played any form of Magic? Oh, man. Um, so I feel like my Magic road has not been a direct route. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, for like so, so long ago, my dad bought a starter set of portals. So that was like my first mm-hmm. like ever actually seeing Magic cards. Um, but I never like really played then. And then in high school, I had a group of friends who got together Friday nights and we just, one of them had a collection. We would just put together like crazy decks and just casually play. Mm -hmm. But I'm the type of person who doesn't do things casually ever. So of (laughs) course I stumbled on competitive magic, um, kind of attended a few tournaments around like time spiral block, Mm -hmm. quit for a few years. And then I came back to the game, um, from about late 2010 through, early 2015 mm-hmm. i played a fair amount most of that being 2011 2012 so in Estrad block mm-hmm. um returned to ravnica and then graduated college got a job and took a break up until arena was released mm-hmm. and now you're back with return to return to return to ravnica yes i've been around for like all the ravnica blocks it feels like mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, sounds like a lot of people that I have on the podcast and in general that I hear that they start magic when they're young, they do it for a little while, uh, then they move on for a while, and then they come back again. It's like uh, the game keeps coming back. Like someone said, uh, I left. Uh, it wasn't that magic left. It was that I left magic, and now I'm back. Yeah, I don't think no one ever really quits for good. You always find your way back and, mm. you know, whether it just be because the game draws you back or, you know, you just have those acquaintances that you meet throughout the years that, you know, you mm. you touch base with them again and that's what gets you back into it at that point. But, that's what gets your spark back. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so my brief story about that is that uh, I played from about 1995 to 1999 or so. So I was kind of ending perhaps when you were first starting and, you know, I don't have any old valuable cards i don't have any black lotus or anything like that uh but i played in those early days so fourth edition ice age alliances those were like my favorite uh sets pretty much for nostalgia purposes but that was kind of a low point in power in magic uh and then when i went to college uh i kind of stopped playing even though i could have played with more people you would think there would be more more people playing there and then I didn't start again until 2017 with uh, Hour of Devastation. So it was like a big chunk of time that I wasn't playing. Okay, wow. Yeah, that I think it would have been really cool to play in the 90s. That definitely <laughs> an era I missed. It seems like it was a completely different game back then. Yeah, there were mechanics that are just so extinct nowadays. The one that I still remember is Cumulative Upkeep, uh, which is like things get more expensive the longer you have them in play. Uh, that was one. There was banding so that creatures can sort of join together to do an attack or a defense. But it had these weird complications because uh, instead of the attacker deciding how the damage is dealt, the defender does and like all this complication. So it was kind of interesting playing. Oh, and then, of course, anti, which was that you had to put one of your cards. If you lost, you had to give your card to your opponent for keeps. Yep. I I do somewhat remember those because those were in the casual decks when I was playing. Yeah. Because that was the all the strange cards that we had to build decks from. That happens so much when you're young. It's like, yeah, my deck is all of these cards that I opened up from these packs. There was no strategy. There was no meta. There was just these are the cards I'm going to play with. Mm-hmm. So then, how long have you been playing Magic Arena? Um. So, I started like 
late December, I believe. Um, I kind of started getting that spark that I wanted to play Magic again, but mm-hmm. you know, I have a son, I have a full time job, mm-hmm. and getting out to the tournaments just like not really feasible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I finally just decided I want to draft an arena. This is what I want to do, mm-hmm. and it's kind of gone downhill from there in <laughs> terms of like I can't stop. <laughs> yes, that's I... okay. It's fun. It's what I want to be doing. Yeah, I think a lot of people are uh, experiencing a new surgence or resurgence in their magic playing in terms of it's just so easy. It's a modern way to play. It's fast paced. It's real magic. It's got all the cards. It's in standard and uh, drafting whenever you want. You don't have to go to a place to do it or round up eight or more people or whatever. You just just ready loaded up on on your laptop. Uh, unfortunately, it's only Windows only at the moment. So if we can just get it over to other platforms, we can have more people to battle. I'm a Windows girl. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm immune to the Apple issues with it. So. <laughs> I feel um, for them, but I, I'm I'm a Windows person as well. Yeah, <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. Everyone should be able to play. So yeah, hopefully, hopefully that comes out soon. Now I'm I- also used to I'm used to being a uh, Android user and never oh, okay. getting the apps that Apple gets. Oh, so. sure, sure. Yeah, I've got an Android phone too. I kind of uh, I work with a lot of tech in uh, in real life, and so I play with a little bit of everything. I've I've worked on Linux and Windows and Mac, and I've had a uh, an iPhone and Android phone. I've also had a Windows phone uh, for a while. But um, what I kind of find uh, odd that people say, "Well, I can't wait to play Magic Arena on my on my phone," and I think, "How are you going to be able to play it on such a small screen? Even if you go with like the big old." screens nowadays oh yeah it definitely seems like it'd be extremely challenging like i want that to happen but i can't picture it yeah i i really only see it as like a tablet sized i don't know about like these cell phone sizes but uh that could be a big old market that wizards could get into if they can put it into uh mobile for sure you never know there's some smart people working on it over there i think so yeah I started uh, with Arena in early 2018 because I sent, that was when it was still in closed beta. And they said, send us an email and uh, we'll send you a beta access code. So I did it like on January 4th or something when they when they first announced it. But I didn't get my access code until about April. So I've been playing since about April, which is what going to be a year now, next year. Hard to believe, but uh, yeah, Arena's been around a little while now. Nice. That's exciting. Yeah, I've seen it evolve. It was a little little clunkier, and I've seen it evolve and get better and smarter. And the thing I really want is uh, for them to do like being able, when you draft, to, to draft against people, I guess, rather than bots. Yeah, I would love to see that because um, I always felt like I was a very, very good drafter before. And one of the things that helped me was I'm someone who could read the entire table. Like I knew exactly what was going mm-hmm. on in the draft. I knew what people were taking. And that's just, that's one of those levels that you can gain an advantage in the draft. And mm-hmm. you kind of lose that on arena, unfortunately. It's still really yeah. fun. Yeah, it is definitely fun. I try to stream every Saturday, 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. And I'm usually doing a draft. And I think I've been getting better at it because I've been streaming, I guess, since... Hmm, let me see, maybe June of last year or a little later. And my first drafts were so embarrassing. Uh, I was like, I barely knew what I was doing because I was always about constructed. Uh, and I think I'm getting a little better. I, I still haven't done any like seven uh, seven wins yet, but uh, I think my personal best has been about five wins. Okay. Way better than, you know, okay. one win or zero wins like in the old days. So I've actually been playing a lot of constructed, mm-hmm. but I just hit mythic and constructed again mm-hmm. this weekend. And oh. I've decided to try to go for Mythic and Limited. Mm-hmm. So I've been drafting a little bit in the last 24 hours, and I've had three seven one decks, actually. So, wow. Well, congrats yeah. on your on your Mythic on uh, Constructed. And uh, uh, let me give you my uh, my good luck as well for your uh, Mythic in, uh, in Limited. We'll see. Mostly mm-hmm. just want the top 1,001 of them. Oh, sure. Doesn't matter which at this point. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of cool, I think, if they would let you see your rankings no matter where you are besides Mythic. I think it might be interesting. Oh, today I'm 10,007, and yesterday I was 11,000. Oh, yeah, that, that'd be nice. Unfortunately, you know, when you look at it from one day to the next, it normally just goes down. Yeah. Um, I think one day I did jump when I was high enough in the rankings last season that mm-hmm. enough people had lost ahead of me that mm-hmm. it pushed me up. Oh, well. They uh, drank enough Red Bull to, or they didn't drink enough Red Bull to keep them up at the top. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know how people do those crazy top eight runs. Like, yeah, I don't have the time or the um, energy mm -hmm. or the, or just the mental. I don't have the mental game to do that for that long either. Or for me, I don't have the thick enough skin uh, because I've made it up to Platinum 2. Uh, and I'm pretty proud of that, but it's like such a climb at a certain point and like, wow, people that are at Diamond and the people that are at Mythic, all of the effort, uh, blood, sweat and tears that you've put into it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, it takes, you have to like, just be able to just, you know, push aside the losses and just keep going and not, yeah. the tilt really adds up <laughs> if you're trying to just do it all at once. Yeah. You need you know when to walk away for sure yeah exactly at least uh, it's good that they give you you know about 30 days or so to do it i think uh, too many people want to do it just as fast as possible and maybe even on stream and it's like wow you've got to slow down a little bit your your mental health is going to suffer a little bit if you try to do it that hardcore i mean i'm one of those people <laughs> yeah, i do step away i step away when i need to and it's mm -hmm. I remind myself that, you know, the mental health part of it is very important. Yes. So if you've been playing Magic uh, on and offline a little while, what uh, sort of skill level would you consider yourself? So I consider myself more advanced. Um, mm -hmm. I'm definitely, like, not a pro or anything, but, you know, I have qualified for a pro tour in the past. Mm -hmm. And I've cashed a few GPs. So mm -hmm. um, now my skill level is a little bit little it's dropped a little bit but i'm trying to get that back mm -hmm. you know a lot of it's just once you get into the pattern of playing again it's you start picking back up on things and seeing those really really good plays yeah you get your head back in the game and like you said about when you were able to read the table in a draft uh, that's a, a little bit that's something that's lost in arena that you don't have the human interaction and i know myself that when i play uh on paper I uh, I gamble or do the the mental game a little bit with my opponents, all in fun, of course. But uh, you know, it's like uh, you really have that uh, person to person sort of connection when you're actually in real life. So I hope they add some sort of more like uh, maybe chat system or some other sort of um, person to person interaction in arena at some point. Yeah, I know a couple. I've seen a couple of people on Twitter talk about how they'd like to see chat bat back in arena because. Um... On the Magic Online client, they've always mm -hmm. had chat. Yeah. Um, for better or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> you only need to ha hear your opponent telling you you're bad so many times. That's, <laughs> that is the downside to chat, but yeah, really, emotes do the same thing sometimes too. So. Now I propose that they have the standard emoji alphabet, so you can give people thumbs up when they're great, or you can put the little poop when they're not so great. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. I like that idea. <laughs> Uh, would you be able to narrow it down? What's your most uh, favorite card at the moment that you're playing on Arena? It doesn't have to be a game-winning thing. It could just be some fun jank or anything you'd like. I'm really a fan of Hydroid Crisis. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that. so back when I was playing a whole lot, um, Sp Sp uh, Sphinx's Revelation mm -hmm. was a card, and I absolutely love that card, and Hydroid Crisis is kind of kind of has that feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty fun card. You even when it gets countered, you get the life and the cards, right? Yes, that's that's very important. Exactly, and uh, kudos on saying it right. Hydroid crisis is the way I say it as well. Okay, I didn't know anybody says it differently. So. <laughs> I've heard a few people online call it hydroid crassus. I guess because like crab, but isn't it like a mutant? What is it? It's a combination of uh, like jellyfish and it's maybe it's a like crab jellyfish. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not 100% sure. If I guess only, I could look, exactly. If only there was a way to look it up online. <laughs> Here we go. It's a yeah. jellyfish hydra beast. Okay. Yeah, because the hydra, because it gets the multiple heads. Mm -hmm. Flavor. Flavor is important. Yeah, and then the flavor text in this set has been really good. Uh, a lot of the design of magic in recent uh, sets, I think, has been really good in terms of art and throwing in some flavor text. This one says, "Havoc is a small price to pay for data." Oh, those wacky nice. Simic. The, yeah, those Simic experiments. They get mm -hmm. wild. So I'm enjoying um, Etrata. Uh, what's her full name again? Etrata the something. Etrata the Silencer. Uh, so she's just kind of a fun card because she's got an alternate win condition. She's four mana, uh, blue, black, and two more. She's a three, five, and she cannot be blocked. And then whenever she does damage to the opponent, she... Uh, assassinates one of their creatures into exile. And then if they've got three assassinated creatures, they lose the game. 
So when it works, it's great. But uh, when it doesn't, she's still a pretty cool card. Yeah. I mean, limited bomb for sure. I could see yeah. like, I could, I could see a pretty sweet standard brew mm-hmm. with her. Well, I've been that trying. Be... <laughs> Not quite there yet, but it did. Uh, on the last preseason, I was using a sort of a demure disruption sort of thing with some, you know, thought erasures and Etrata and uh, Doom Whisper and just weird stuff like that. And it got me pretty well from, you know, on the first preseason from bronze to gold. And then after that, I switched over to uh, a red deck. But no, I didn't do the, the, the red deck that everyone was doing. I was doing my own version with goblins, so I didn't win as much. So the decks that you're doing at the moment anything stand out um that you're enjoying uh i can tell you what i'm not enjoying <laughs> <laughs> sure so just where the where the meta is i've been playing a lot of mono red mm-hmm. because that's what i'm winning with i hate playing mono red like i hate it <laughs> mm-hmm. it's awful um but last a majority of last season i played a um bant flash deck mm-hmm. um i actually found the deck on arena deck list um uh Delver guy on Twitter had originally um, shared it, and mm-hmm. I just he was playing best of three, so I made a couple of like little um, tweaks to the deck for best of one, and that actually like got me like through all of platinum, all of diamond, and into mythic, mm-hmm. and like got me quite a few wins. Unfortunately, once Nexus got banned, people realized I wasn't playing a Nexus deck, uh-huh. and that actually made it worse because you know before people were playing poorly because they thought I was playing Nexus. And- mm-hmm. I was getting wins that way, I think, is what happened. Hmm. But I love the deck because, you know, I was playing Teferi and Hydrate Crisis and Wilderness Reclamation mm-hmm. and, um, you know, had all the great things about Control deck, but it wasn't like Esper where you're sitting there waiting to win the game for a million turns. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that uh, there's these various builds of these decks and... I think when people deviate from them just a little bit, that's when they maybe get the edge. Because if everyone's doing the same meta deck, uh, then the mirror matches aren't so well, I guess. So it sounds like, um, do you do any sort of tweaking as well, just um, when you get started on a list? Oh, yeah. Um, So I'm definitely, I'm not a deck builder. Like, I guess I could see myself getting to that point, but I've just never been like the type of person to sit down and be like, okay, how am I going to put together 60 cards? I have always been the person that will like take a deck list, look at it and be like, what do I think is actually going to like, you know, be Mm -hmm. successful in like this tournament in this meta game, you know, in the best one ladder. Like I've, I've been living the best one ladder for two months now. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, so I I will sit there and like change out a couple cards. Um, You know, that band flash deck is like way, way, way different than it was a month ago. Mm -hmm. I really haven't been playing it because it's just not been performing as well, but Mm -hmm. um even my mono red deck has a couple like little different things about it. Like I'm only playing two experimental frenzies because mm-hmm. I don't want to sit there and end up with two experimental frenzies in my hand because I'm playing four on the deck yeah. and just having a dead card. Mm-hmm. I've been trying out Autumn Burchett's uh, Mythic Championship winning deck, um, which I think was a variation of someone else. It was that mono blue tempo deck, uh, tempo slash aggro, I suppose. That one with all those one drops um, in blue. And I usually don't play a lot of blue, uh, especially mono blue or uh, real control decks. And this one's been interesting. It's gotten me uh, after the uh, preseason reset. Um, I've been going through a few ranks with that. And it's when it works, it works. You get out a lot of little creatures in the beginning and you've got some control going on. And then you get that little Terramander into a big Terramander. And suddenly the game's ending. Oh, yeah. That deck is... It's crazy. It, like you were saying, it really... It doesn't play like a blue deck should how you feel like a blue deck should play really Mm -hmm. um yeah it's definitely like gaining little advantages like you know really figuring out like where you you know are you playing more of a control game or are you you know being more tempo or aggro-ish in the game Mm -hmm. and it's it's been interesting watching that deck it's interesting playing against that deck and it's interesting playing the deck because just there's so many decisions on both sides when that deck is on the is on the board yeah, I think it feels very interactive where sometimes I feel an opponent might be just playing, these are the standard steps that I need to do. Well, I, I think this uh, mono blue deck can be very interactive because especially I, I almost always play the, the best of three. So I have a chance to do the, the sideboarding and think about, well, they seem to have a lot of creatures. So let me put in a few more uh, essence uh, captures or they seem to uh, be relying more on spells. So let me put a few more negates. 
Uh, so it's kind of interesting. Yeah, that's super versatile. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That you're, it seems like you're having a little bit of success with it. So. Yeah, yeah, it's been uh, pretty fun. And um, usually, I guess what I find myself playing is a little bit more demure. Uh, and I'm like my kind of experience level... Uh, I think I'm kind of intermediate, middle intermediate or so, and I've kind of enjoyed Demir in the past and such, but this mono blue one seems to work if you know how to pilot it. Yeah, for sure. Have there been any cool, weird, funny moments you've had on Arena that come to mind? Oh my gosh, so, I don't know, I think it was funny, but it was also like a little like tilting at the same time. Um, Mm. I was playing against mono white and was the splash blue version. And like I said, I've been playing a lot of best of one. So this is, you know, it's all pre-sideboarded decks mm-hmm. or whatever people have decided to put in their 60 cards. Mm-hmm. So it's a splash blue a blue version. I'm just assuming, you know, they have debut detention or something for the blue. Mm-hmm. That's that's pretty what that's what's pretty normal. Yeah. So I don't remember what spell I went to cast. I'm pretty sure I was playing red. And all of a sudden they just like spell pierce me. Mm. And I just like sat there just like stunned for a good 30 seconds because <laughs> it's not the card I was expecting mm-hmm. <laughs> them to have. So yeah, that was pretty funny. Um, I'm sure there's been like a ton of other moments, but that one has like really stuck out. Like I, I remember that still and it's been like two weeks. Yeah, it must have been pretty traumatic if you still remember it. But I feel that as well, because sometimes things happen that you don't expect uh like their cards are coming out in a way that's like okay this seems like the meta deck that everyone's playing but then they mix it up a little bit and that's cool and as for myself like uh yeah uh sometimes i feel my memory's getting worse and worse because i know i've had some great and weird and fun times and probably on stream i've got to go back to my streams and and replay them but um there was like uh i give kudos to people that play a card like it feels like no one else is playing and they play it well because it can get kind of stale when everyone can check the best decks online and put them together with just a wild card instead of like spending real money. And I, and I really give them props when they kind of do things different. Oh yeah, for sure. And it all goes back to that, you know, you can kind of gain an edge just from having those couple of little different cards from every other deck out there. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be good against the metal and people just might not be expecting it. Yeah. So if you're more towards the advanced level of play and such, uh, what advice would you give people that are first starting off in Magic Arena? You know, I think it's important for people just to play decks that they enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. This is something I've kind of like really like taken a step back and thought about because I've obviously been in the mindset that like, I need to hit Mythic. I need to do this as fast as possible. <laughs> but I'm also like realizing I can't just like go out there and play a deck that I don't enjoy playing because I'm not going to have fun with it. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just like, it's not going to help my game mentally. And so, you know, when you're starting off with Arena, you're not going to have as many cards, but you, there's a good chance that you can find like one of those starter decks that kind of fits like your play style and you can have a lot of fun with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, find that deck, get your groove and like really start learning the mechanics with it and get a feel for it. I think that's a really important part of it all, that if you're not having fun, then like, what are you doing? Are you just going through the motions? You just want to reach an artificial rank? I think that's really good advice that find a deck that you like and play it. Maybe try to play something that you've played in real life in Arena. And the great thing, again, about whatever the limitations of it, the wildcard system is really cool. You know, realizing that as long as I've got a rarity any rarity i can get any card that exists in standard which is what three thirteen hundred cards or more and you can make a great deck out of just about anything yeah and there's so much there's so many fun things that you can go out there and do with the cards right now um i've seen i've seen a couple of like crazy decks out there that people are just like definitely having fun with and you know they're having a great time when they're playing it and that's really awesome I actually went uh, in preseason one. I went uh, pretty far with a black red pirate deck. And when I make like a theme deck, I really go into it like, okay, if it's not a pirate and it's not pirate related, I don't want it in my deck, even if it could help the deck. And then obviously that's a detriment sometimes, but I'm having fun playing with, uh, you know, uh, so something like uh, Walk the Plank. Okay, it's a great removal, only two mana, but it's double black and it's a sorcery. Oh, cast down's often better, but it's cast down's not pirate related. Hey, gotta have flavor in your deck, right? Yes. Uh, in uh, in paper, do you play, you know, a little off topic, do you play anything like a commander or anything in, on, uh, in real life? Uh, um, I have played a few commander games on occasion. Um, I tend to like not like that type of like 
I don't like games like Werewolf or anything where, you know, you kind of feel like one person gets targeted. Oh, and I feel sure. like that happens in Commander a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, I swear, I've, like, brought, like, super just, like, janky, like, just throw together a bunch of random card Commander decks. But then because of the Commander I was playing, everybody just targeted me right away. And I just <laughs> lost. And that's not a whole lot of fun for me. Uh, okay. So, yeah, I tend to I tend to avoid it. But funny enough, I've s- sold off most of my paper cards mm. a few years back. Except for most of what remains is like commander decks. So. Yeah. Uh, well, you've got to join our commander because we're all very nice and we can never decide who to attack unless we roll some dice. <laughs> okay, I'm also unlucky at dice rolls, so <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that actually helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our play group, uh, for whatever reason, everyone's really nice in there and no one wants to attack. They're, they're either going, like on whoever wants to draw first blood, it's about, let me roll that dice. And then eventually when it's like, well, who has the highest life? That's who I'll go for, even if like they're in a really good position or, or not or whatever. Uh, so it's just kind of interesting, the different play groups. I think I had someone else uh, on another episode where they were like, uh, no, it's 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 all about no mercy. I'm like, okay, well, that's one way to play, sure. But, you know, the dice, the dice will let me decide. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've Definitely the people who I know who play Commander, it's all all different personalities. And, yeah, some people just like to play, like, their combo deck and do their own thing. And then other people like to, like, not let the combo player have any fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and most some people just want to see how long the game can possibly go on. <laughs> well, that sounds like one of the people in my play group who's doing a huge, like, life gain deck. And he gets up to like a hundred life, and I'm like, okay, uh, I don't think this game's gonna end for a few more hours. Let's uh, let's go get lunch and come back. I don't know. A hundred seems a little low in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> now, if you can think back from the other side of the question, what would have been something that you would have liked to have known or been taught early on when you first started playing Magic? Oh goodness, um, like stuff like just like remembering my triggers and like really really like thinking through plays and like Mm -hmm. what my opponent could possibly have i feel like that's nothing like once i like picked that up and that was something you're supposed to do like i really really understood it but you know the first group of people i was playing with like that was never really anything that we learned Mm -hmm. so yeah i i like that just like next you know always be thinking ahead and that's how you can kind of gain an edge in the game and like think about what your opponent could possibly have Mm-hmm. I think if people are starting nowadays on Magic Arena and then going on to paper because of the, the, the breadth of cards and uh, what you can do, I think it's pretty cool that Arena is a great uh, teaching tool as well, that it reminds you, hey, you have uh, a reaction here. Um, hey, you've got enough mana for this and that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially if you've got full control or even automatic uh, control, it still really helps you as a, as a beginner. And those early tutorials, um, obviously, uh, m- most people kind of zoom by, zoom through them. But when I went through it the first time, when you had that little uh, that little navy sprite uh, helping you along, did you ever did you ever do that tutorial just to see what it was like? Probably skip through it, but I'm also the type of person who skips through cutscenes and video games. <laughs> I did like the first challenge because I, like I said, I had been playing arena since like April. And then I guess when they did the closer to when they did the public beta in September, they released that in-game tutorial thing. And I gave it a shot one time and like, okay, yeah, I get it. I see how it'd be useful. So where's the button to skip it? And when you skip it, it gave you all the decks automatically without having to kind of fight for them. But I've, uh, I had someone else that uh, didn't skip it and they didn't realize they could skip it and they went through the whole thing, but then they felt that they learned a lot of magic, kind of like a refresher course. Oh, yeah. I bet there's definitely stuff you can like pick up in those things that's really important. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm pretty sure anybody who's new to Arena should not skip through the tutorial. Yeah. Don't be like me. <laughs> uh, if there's anything you can think of that you might want to improve about Magic, Magic Arena, the company, uh, the fans, whatever. Um, any Anything come to mind? Um, like, it's right now, what's on my mind, there's so much, so, so many good things going on about Magic right now. Like, you asked me five years ago, mm-hmm. I probably could have given you a whole list of things that I would <laughs> change about Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but right now, there's so many things going in the right direction. Um, I would really like a lot more transparency with the mythic ranking system right now oh sure because um there's a lot of you don't we don't know how the actual rankings are calculated once you get to mythic exactly and so yeah there's there's just a whole lot of things that can factor into like 
what your ranking is and it's like really hard to like keep motivating yourself to keep playing when you don't know exactly like mm-hmm. what you know how things are going to end up or what can impact your ranking mm-hmm. sorry that was kind of kind of weirdly phrased there but no no i think i get know. it but just kind of for me to understand it a little bit more do you mean like knowing more about your stats or like what what's the transparency that that you would uh would, that you would like to get into or yeah, get I guess out of? more exact data on like you know what what causes you to increase rank you know what causes you to lose like what impacts you like losing rank the most mm-hmm. you know like we we do know like normally when you get paired against somebody who's with a, a way lower ranking than you you lose more and you gain less but there's there's i just i like knowing things and being able to like plan and mm-hmm. like right now i'm sitting i'm sitting in mythic and i've dropped like 100 ranks over the last two days because i really haven't played mm-hmm. so you know also we don't know if there's like a decay system in there either like oh, sure. if i don't play is there just like it doesn't like naturally like start lowering my ranking or is this just resulting from pe- more people playing and mm-hmm. having like better results than me so. okay okay that makes sense it's yes. i'm getting it yeah uh there there does seem to be a lot of factors so it might be nice to yeah uh get that out a little bit more to the people it sounds like the company is being pretty receptive to the fans um in in other fields but yeah i, I agree on that a little bit more transparency is always good yeah i think that there's been a lot of talk about it on twitter too you know people kind of bringing up like why does this happen when X happens, but, you know, then this happens. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> sorry, that was kind of not, mm-hmm. I think it's a hard thing to explain, but yeah, just more, more transparency about the system in mm-hmm. general. The thing that I really want them to improve is just more fun animations, especially for creatures. That's all I ask. Okay, yeah, that could be fun. As long <laughs> as I can toggle that off. Oh, like, sure. I mean, I think it's really sweet, but if it starts slowing down my computer, I don't want anything to do with that. So you don't want uh, you don't want four planeswalkers to uh, uh, jump onto the screen and do all their fun animations every time someone summons them. Yeah, if I time out because that happens, I'm going to be a little upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, I, I've kind of been seeing people have been timing out when they do the expansion part of explode and expansion when they're doing it with like twenty treasures. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, that's like pretty much impossible. I don't play a deck. When I have played that deck, I don't have a deck that has treasures in it, but mm-hmm. even just tapping the lands fast enough is, mm-hmm. it's a sweat. It is, it's like a extreme sport. Yeah, it's like, uh, I'm sure they're going to add like a crack all treasures uh, sort of option, just like they've got uh, the latest one that they add. Uh, what's it called? Pass all or can, what's the new button yeah. they added? The pa- I think pass all. Yeah, I, so, I don't remember exactly what it's called, but yeah, I just know it's the two little arrows in the corner. Yeah, remember yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't actually read what's going on. I just, <laughs> you just feel around and click what looks good, and then you suddenly win. Yeah, if I could change the one thing about myself, it would be you know actually like <laughs> reading what I'm doing, I'm doing, and not just assuming. <laughs> so. Well, a once uh, a wise man once said, "Reading the card explains the card in Magic Arena." Uh, yep, it's very. Very important. <laughs> definitely, definitely guilty of some misplays because I didn't read. Well, I've done that with um, Nullhide Ferox uh, when I used my amazing second turn play of using Thought Erasure to get rid of Nullhide Ferox from their hand, and I didn't read it. That it says if it goes to your graveyard, you may return it back into play. Yep. Funny story that actually that same situation. I don't remember what the card was at the time, um, but I was playing a deck with one of those uh, when you when this card's discarded, um, put into play. Mm-hmm. And my opponent, like, looked at my hand. I had, like, three cards. And my opponent just sat there, like, tanking on the play. And <laughs> finally picked the card that, if you discard it, comes into play. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, sweet. This is, this womp, is amazing womp. to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, but uh, at least it's not as bad as some of the older cards from back in the day that it had a big wall of explanatory text. Oh, yeah. There's, there's some novels written on some cards out there. <laughs> I have not read them. <laughs> That's a perfect way to describe them because uh, you do look at it and like that font uh, is like for fine print in a contract, not for a playing card. Yep. I mean, if, if it's anti, then it might be a contract. Oh, yes. Contract from below. <laughs> That's one of those classic ones where you have to like put two antis and then you like uh, get your life back or something. It was complicated, but uh, totally extinct nowadays. Mm hmm. So if you can narrow it down, what's one thing that you love about magic? I'm someone who always like needs in my hobbies, like some like level of like creative thinking 
involved mm-hmm. in it. Um, and that's why I love that magic really involves like a lot of creative thinking to it. Um, you know, whether it comes down to like how you build your deck, you know, like just looking at a game and um, just looking for that next level play that's like really outside of the box. Mm-hmm. I think that's like really cool that it's a game that has that many options that allows you to like really apply those skills. Yeah, it's like we all get the same toolbox, but what are you going to build with those tools? I think it's a great way to problem solve, to be creative, to put your own spin on things. Like I said, I want to play this pirate deck. It's not going to win me very much, but when I do win, it feels great because I made it. Yeah, exactly. I like a lot of the art. And one thing that I've found myself realizing is um, I miss a lot of the old art in terms of uh, today's art is really good, like top shelf quality. But the old cards back in the day, they would have a range of from like, I would say like very professional to almost semi amateur style. And I would just kind of love to see uh, that a little bit of return to um, like, I would love for them to to contract like some of the first artists from the first set just to see what they would do with the cards 25 years later. Oh yeah, for sure. That'd be, that'd be pretty cool. I've actually, I've gotten a lot more into the art of magic recently. So I attend a convention in Minneapolis every once in a while called Convergence Mm -hmm. and they have a um, art auction there. Mm. And a couple of the artists actually are artists that work on magic, the gathering. Mm. Um, I think Charles Urbach was one of them and he had some amazing pieces for sale there that I, I was really hoping to get and then I did not win the auction on them. Aww. But that was yeah, it's been really cool like seeing that and just like it's kind of made me think about the artwork of magic in another way. And then a, like a couple years ago, um I made a friend through the gym and then got talking to her husband when we were hanging out and he's like, "Oh, you play magic? I have these framed pieces of magic cards in the original art." Oh. Um that I got from the artist and I'm pretty sure they're all Ron Spencer. They're mm-hmm. packed away right now. Cause I haven't had anywhere to hang them up in my house, mm-hmm. but yeah, this was something he gave me cause he found out, you know, I had played magic and mm-hmm. so now I have some really cool, like classic um, card artwork that's oh. framed and it's pretty cool. That's really cool. Uh, would you happen to know off the top of your head, maybe what cards or art that was? Uh, I want to one. I feel like one was Shiv and dragon maybe, but I, that could be completely wrong. Like I said, they were up in my, the wall, in my old house, but since I've moved to my new house, they've, um, mm-hmm. they've been in storage cause I just have nowhere to hang them. Sure. I'm going to, now that I have a new, like little magic playing area and I actually have a place to hang them up now, mm-hmm. but that was just done today. So haven't pulled them out yet. Okay. Um, I want to, at some point, maybe see about getting some, um, what do you think about, uh, altered cards? Oh yeah, that'd be, that'd be sweet. It's not, I've always seen like some really sweet altars and I always find the ones that are like, people do something like silly and creative on them. Really (laughs) funny. Like put a C3PO into them and things like that. Yeah. (laughs) Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the, um, like the evil Patrick meme, like Patrick from SpongeBob. I really want that on a Terramander. <laughs> oh, I think that'd okay. Be really funny. <laughs> I think it. I think it'll be really funny. Yeah, you you play that uh, in in the real life playgroup, and then uh, they're they're laughing before they start crying after the Terramander evolves or adapts. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so I think I, I I might want to get some alters at some point, but um, I feel like it's becoming more and more popular, and more of these artists are getting inundated in requests and it's like well i want to do a request from some artist that i might like but uh, i'm never going to get my card because they're just so famous now or so popular and that they've got a lot of artwork to do oh yeah i think you just have to like look around you know and really just like go go deep into the internet to try to find someone who you know has the time to do it and has like the type of work that you enjoy because mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of people who do good work but maybe like their style isn't like the type of art that speaks to you sure now, I've heard that there are other hobbies besides magic. Hard to believe. So do you have any hobbies besides magic? Uh, yeah, bec- and because apparently I love hobbies that take up my whole entire time and um, <laughs> make me cry sometimes. I do enjoy cosplay and ah. sewing. Um, I, do a, I have a 15-month-old son, so I do a lot less of that now because 
no matter how well you plan in cosplay, like mm. you are always working on things at the last second on it. And mm -hmm. that is so, so, so hard to do with a child. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't really get those. Like I can just like sit here and on, for eight hours in a row on a Saturday and work. And there are no more last seconds with a child anymore. I bet. Uh, not really. I mean, there's kind of been last seconds, but mm -hmm. they were not the same type of last seconds as I used to get away with. <laughs> so if you do cosplay, I'm sure then that means you, you go to a lot of conventions and uh, congregations just to be with other cosplayers and, and show off your work? Um, yeah, I I got a fair amount of Midwest conventions. Um, that was kind of after I had like, quit magic and going to GPs and like seeing friends there and stuff. I kind of like got into the convention scene because... I got to go there and see friends and do half the things I was doing in a magic tournament. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I hit up a, quite a few of the Midwest ones. Um, I've also enjoyed going to like DreamHack. There's been, I've been to one of them. I was mm. supposed to go to a second one, but then I was um, nine months pregnant mm. when it happened. And mm -hmm. that didn't seem like a good idea. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and then I'll, I'll be going to San Diego Comic-Con this year, which I'm actually super excited about. Oh, cool. Uh, how many times have you gotten? zero this is my first year like oh, cool just decided to see if we can get tickets and we did so we're gonna go <laughs> really nice uh, how many days did you end up getting well uh we could have got um, we could have actually got all the days but we decided to just go thursday friday and saturday okay figuring those were the big days and that's that's what made sense for us we're, we're throwing in a disneyland trip for my son oh nice well, that's really cool. I actually live in San Diego, so San Diego Comic-Con is kind of in my backyard, and I've gone uh, a few times in the past, uh, and it's been really enjoyable, and I never get tired of it. There's a lot of great cosplayers, uh, magic stuff, uh, scenery, and uh, old comics and everything, so uh, I'm sure you'll take a lot of photos and enjoy it. I'm sure. What like So what's been your favorite like part of it? I really like to go to some of like the lesser known panels. You know, the big panels are, okay, well, we've got this, uh, uh, you know, we've got the latest Marvel movie to show off or we've got The Walking Dead to show off. Okay, I, I don't go to those big ones because I'm not going to stand in line or sleep overnight in a line. I go to the smaller panels like uh, there's this really great one called the um, Cartoon Voices panel and they get like the voices of all of our favorite cartoon characters there and they do like a live episode of a cartoon so i've seen there the voice of goofy the voice of spongebob voices from futurama from uh from like uh all of the cartoons that we love and that's like one of my favorite panels to check out every year they've got two of them i think it's on saturday and sunday so you might want to check that out if you're trying to get one of the smaller panels but still very enjoyable oh wow yeah that sounds really cool like I've, i always love that like smaller conventions kind of have like really like creative silly Things in that kind of seems like that fits into that kind of idea, just on a bigger level. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's in one of the rooms that holds like uh, I don't know like uh, five hundred people, which is compared to the big hall H, which is I don't know what like four thousand people. It's definitely more intimate. It's still a little bigger, of course, than other conventions, but uh, it's really fun just seeing all of these voice actors and there's usually the uh the master of ceremonies mark evanier and he's like a big name in in the world of animation and comics and such and he interviews them a little bit beforehand and has them do samples of their voices and like you know one moment you're looking at uh this person and the next moment uh the voice of spongebob is coming out right out of his mouth so it's pretty fun yeah that would be really really interesting to see kind of like breaks the fourth wall almost like well, seeing the voice actor that's why like, I've, uh, that's why i started to close my eyes when they start talking like the other like the character <laughs> it's not a bad idea another panel that i really like that's a little smaller is called a quick draw panel and this is uh, a rotating cast of cartoonists that sort of like improv draw based on suggestions and uh, they've got Sergio Aragonés. He's like the biggest name there. He's uh, done comics like Gru, and uh, he's worked in Mad Magazine, and he's been a cartoonist for like 40 years. And they often call him the fastest cartoonist in the world because when they start to give the prompt, he's almost like halfway finished drawing it by the time they give the prompt. Wow, that sounds really interesting. I was already excited about this, and... This already just this just makes me so much more excited. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, 
message me on Discord or Twitter or whatever, and I'll and I'll let you know my favorite things there because there's just again there's the aspect of it that it's kind of gotten a little more Hollywood nowadays, but there's still all of these things you can do inside and outside the convention, even around that San Diego downtown area. You know, it used to be just the stuff in the convention center, and now you go like one block, you know, north, south, whatever, and there's all of this stuff offsite that you can enjoy as well. So it's just gotten so big and so multimedia, and uh, I've managed to go, uh, not to show off, but I've managed to to be so lucky to go every year since 1993. Oh, wow. That is, that's pretty lucky. That's very lucky. And I, I thought my uh, lucky streak was running out these last few years when I wasn't able to get the ticket on the pre-registration, and then I had to go to the public registration, and I'm like, I'm not going to get it because everyone wants it, but I still managed my lucky streak, and I've... Got it, got it unbroken. I was shocked. I was shocked that, you know, we tried for tickets and we got them like that. Because I think it was, we got in like within like 10 minutes. And then um, another friend who was trying to get tickets um, only got them for um, Thursday Mm -hmm. because they got in after an hour and everything else was gone. Mm -hmm. I don't know how they're going to fix the demand, maybe extend the number of days or... Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know how you fix that. A two weekend event, maybe. I yeah. But even that's awkward because you know what? What events do you put on what weekend, and then what do you do the next weekend? And how much overlaps? I I think it might work out because when you look at the uh, the events guide, there's definitely several times throughout the years that there have been two or more events that have overlapped in time. And like, I really want to go to this one, but it's conflicting with that one. So it might work to to spread things out for those uh, uh, couple of weekends. I, I think they could fill the programming time. And even if people aren't into the programs, there's still uh, the cosplay, the masquerade, uh, the dealer's area and, and all of that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Sorry, I'm really excited for the dealer's room. I'm always... Always stoked when I get to try out, check out those. I recorded a video uh, where I walk from one end to the other, and I believe it took uh, 40 minutes. Oh my goodness, that is... I mean, it's taken me 40 minutes to walk across the dealer's room, but that was also because the convention was too crowded. <laughs> I'm sure this was actually because, you know, there was just tons of stuff. Well, it's both. It is pretty crowded and it is a lot to see. And like you've got the independent press area in one spot. You've got the the anime and manga stuff in another place, the video game stuff, the comic stuff, the, the, the you know, uh, cosplay accessories and such. And there's just everything that you could look at. And I was kind of going through it rather quickly just to kind of put this video together. And it ended up still being a little a little bit of a jaunt. Okay. So you're saying bring lots of money. <laughs> no, no, no. Just your, just all your credit cards. Okay. I think that still counts as bringing lots of money. Just <laughs> Not as heavy. Form. Yes. <laughs> you won't need a big sack of money with the dollar symbol. Just, uh, just a few credit cards. Okay. Good to know. <laughs> and then also uh, bring uh, some comfortable shoes and water. Done. And no uncomfortable cosplays because I'm enjoying myself at this convention. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Um, you can, uh, you can definitely enjoy it a lot more when, when you're mobile, there's people that I've seen there that have been dressed up like Optimus Prime. Uh, and that means that they're on stilts so that they have the height of Optimus Prime. And it's like, uh, that's really impressive, but I hope you don't fall over and, uh, crush some kids because you're, uh, you're just so tall. (laughs) Yep. I've never dressed up, but uh, I guess I go as just, you know, casual VM Campos. Hey, you know, going as yourself counts as a cosplay, right? (laughs) Yeah, I change it up a little bit more. I wear some funnier t-shirts there, I guess. (laughs) Nice. I'll probably find some funny t-shirt to wear or something, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. Or just like a comfortable costume. I have a few of those. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, there's a whole like corner of the convention center that seems to be like the funny t-shirt alley. I'm sure there's tons of funny t-shirts there. Like that just seems like the aesthetic in general. Yeah. Well, uh, this seems to be turning into San Diego Comic-Con chat, but that's okay. (laughs) Um, As we wind down, um, what else would you like to promote or uh, final thoughts on anything about magic? Everyone should be playing arena. If you have any desire to be playing magic at all, because 
it's tons of fun. It's super accessible. And, you know, if you only have 15 minutes to play a game, there's a good chance you can get a game in, which is mm-hmm. pretty awesome. Kind of my thoughts on magic right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, my Twitter was Mythic Michaela and my Twitch is Kyrie MTG. That's oh. about it. Okay, great. I'm going to add those to the show notes and uh, hopefully people will stop by, say hi to you on your chat and everything. I'm over at uh, Twitter, twitter.com slash vmcampos. I'm on YouTube. I do videos on fun, like casual deck techs and comic books. And I've started a brand new series. Very important. It's about me reviewing snacks. Oh, okay. That sounds like my type of series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just reviewed this video um, of these like little hamburger shaped uh, chocolate cookie things. And they're like these tiny little hamburgers. They look like a little hamburger and everything, but it's a little uh, cookie cracker plus chocolate inside. And they were pretty amazing. Sounds like a Japanese thing. Exactly. It was straight from Japan. (laughs) Interesting. Um, So I came back. I went to Japan back in November. Mm -hmm. And I think half my suitcase was just full of snacks, (laughs) (laughs) candy. Um, I'm really obsessed with anything that's like Pocky. Uh Uh-huh. Like similar to Pocky. So like there was a couple like little like more bite-sized type hockey style things just the um the cookie covered in chocolate type mm-hmm. of type of snack oh so, very yeah, nice that's so i'm also over at uh, patreon patreon.com and what i do there is i give a lot of free stuff away i consolidate everything that i do multimedia wise there but if people want to move up to the one dollar tier they'll get access to a few more premium things like the longer versions of podcasts or further deck techs and if they go up to the two dollar tier i will actually mail people vintage magic cards guaranteed to be at least 20 years old for my collection nice pretty sweet deal I think so, and uh, hopefully people stop by and uh, and uh, sign up for it because uh, old magic cards have this sort of uh, cool, like even vibe and nostalgia to them that you that you don't get nowadays. Yep, was as a uh, Uncle Istvan. Yeah, that's old. Yes. Yeah, he's a silly card. <laughs> well, yeah, back in the day they used to say summon whatever, and it said the oldest ones said uh, summon Uncle Istvan. Nowadays, it's like summon human horror or something. I don't know. Or creature dash human horror. Have they actually updated his creature type? It's at least a human. Uh, I don't know if it's anything else, but at least it's a human. But it's no longer creature type Uncle Istvan. Okay. (laughs) That's too bad. That was pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, that was uh, some big old change that happened in the early 2000s when they updated all these creature types. So you lost a lot of the more weird ones. Uh, but uh, with the consistency of it all, you can make like better tribal decks. So you can't cast Cavern of Souls naming Uncle, Uncle Istvan. That's not an option anymore. Well, it depends on your playgroup. If you play the Anything Goes, <laughs> then sure thing. Okay. <laughs> well, Michaela, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena. <laughs>